the average Joe guitar player yeah. knows the Dumble story. Guy makes crazy amp that artists love that no mortal human can try. <laughs> and even if you do, I've played one. And my favorite thing is if you played one, the first thing you're told is like, but by the way, no other one will ever sound like this one, which does yeah. you no good as a reference. Hey everyone, on this bonus Know Your Gear podcast, we're going to be talking to Taylor Cox, the designer and owner of Amplified Nation, an amplifier that is inspired by those iconic Dumble amplifiers. We're going to be learning about Dumbles, his amps, and maybe even a little bit more. What did you hear in the amps that you love, and how did you kind of make sure your amps had that or improved upon it? Like, take us down the sound of your amps more so than just the specs. Yeah. So, um, when I started Amplified Nation, it was, uh, it was a cabinet business and I was building custom cabinets. Uh, I was actually out of my basement, uh, and with a table saw and everything like that for a lot of amp builders. And, um, as I expanded the business, I started doing kind of replacement cabinets for like two rocks and Bluto tones. And I really kind of dove into that, that Dumble thing. I just love the sound. I love how the amps were very musical. I loved how the overdrive was organic. I love the feeling that I got when I played those amps. Um, and through that experience of building all those cabinets, I got to play like some of the best amps in the world. And, you know, it was a lot of clones and then guys started sending me real dumbbells too. Um, so I really got like a different kind of experience where I wasn't just like looking at schematics and listening to YouTube videos and things like that. Like I actually was able to experience the amp and like hear the timber characteristics of how it's supposed to sound and, and how it felt. Right. Right. And when I was and back then, you know, when I started building my own amps, you'd mentioned before about like really trying to clone something and like how close can I get to like a real Dumble? Um, and that's definitely what I was trying to do. Uh, but what I found is like you're saying now, like you kind of develop your own ear and you get to the point where you're like, all right, great. Like I can hear this circuit. You know, how can I make it like the most, you know, organically, you know, connection that you can have like with your guitar. Um, so you start developing an ear for it. And I think that ends up kind of being more important than the circuit in the end, you know, cause then you start messing around with different component types, you know, what are you using? Where are you using it? Where are you putting the wires? Um, and you know, you develop your own sound and your own style, and then you have an amp line that, um, you know, I can't say any of my amps are exact clones anymore. Like, I'm not even really sure where they're at. I know they sound great, you know, to me and I know right. people like them. So I know that, you know, my ear has been able to connect with other people and, uh, and, and really kind of, you know, allow them to experience the same thing that I did, you know? So, um, you know, that's kind of where I'm at now, you know, is I've got four or five different amps. Yeah. They have Dumble lineage. Some of them like my steel string singer are going to sound an awful light, like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Or, you know, the amps I have that are more like focused on the Mayer sound, they're going to sound like John Mayer, but they're going to have a little bit of, of a difference. You know what I mean? They're going to be my interpretation of that sound, you know, so it may not be exact, but it's a great amp. So I see now you have seven amplifiers. We're going to start with the, the first two, the Dirty Wonderland and the Wonderland Overdrive V2. Why I want to talk about those two together is not because they have the same name, because their, their price point is sub $3,500. Mm -hmm. So this is essentially like, what do you get when you go with those two amps? What so is it? The, the Dirty Wonderland is a, is a fantastic amplifier. It's a single channel clean amp. So no, no overdrive. 
It's got a beautiful reverb with two knobs on it. You can control the depth of the reverb and the level back into the mix. And that amp really does like the John Mayer clean sound. So it's got an EQ, like a Fender Super Reverb, but um, you know, it stays together a little bit, a bit tighter. It's got some additional power filtering that really kind of give it some beefiness. Um, and I added some dirty switches in the back that allow you to break up the amp at, at kind of lower levels. A lot of my customers, you know, while the guy, even the guys at gig, like they want an amp that will work well at home. They want to work amp that they can play when their kids are sleeping. So I tried to make the amps. So, um, they had enough get up to like, you know, get over a drummer if you're at a gig, but you can also take them home and dial in a great low volume sound. So those dirty switches give you some additional kind of hair on the notes, or like you were saying before, you know, right when you start digging into a clean tone, you know, can you get that just tad bit of breakup? Generally speaking, if you're in a single channel amp, you got to turn it up pretty loud. Um, so that amp has the dirty switches that allow the amp kind of loosen up a little bit, get that edge of breakup, the hair on the notes, fantastic amp, uh, works really great with pedals too. So that that's really like the the mayor tone. It's it's kind of modeled after some of the early two rock amps um, that I that I experienced, you know, when I first started building. And I kind of did my own take on it. So it's not exactly a clone of a two rock, um, but it kind of does that early eighties kind of dumble. It's a low plate classic preamp, right? The wonderland overdrive, um, was an amp that I designed shortly after the dirty wonderland. And I had a lot of guys saying, Hey, you know, you got this amp, but it doesn't have an overdrive. You know, can you get that clean sound, but have an overdrive channel. So I kept the clean channel the same which, you know, is why it's a, the Wonderland series. And then I added an overdrive onto it, which was definitely still in the kind of Dumble overdrive special realm, um, early eighties tone, which is kind of a, a raw sort of tone. It's not like the really compressed sound of Robin Ford, you know, with the chirp and the saxophoniness. Um, it's, it's kind of raw and uncompressed, you know, more like Stevie Ray Vaughan or, or Mayer. Um, the overdrive on that amp is, is real throaty. You know, it's, it's pretty beefy. I tried to get that to kind of sound like the early Bonamassa tone. Um, and I retained the reverb, although it's not the same circuit as the dirty wonderland, it's got a reverb built in and a half power. So that amps, you know, foot switchable two channels and, and does a great clean and, and dirty thing. That's what was in Rhett's video. It's one of his favorite amps, right? Um, it's been my best seller by far, um, which is, which is kind of, uh, ironic because it's, it's the probably the furthest amp away from being a real Dumble that I sell, you know, where but, it was oh, go on. kind of like, I just took a few different ideas and put them together, you know, and I designed that amp a long time ago. Like it was probably 2015, uh, maybe 16. I've made some improvements along the way, you know, definitely with like putting it together and, and how it's constructed, you know, you just kind of learn as you go along, um, you know, you figure out what breaks, you know, what, what can withstand, you know, being on a tour bus for five or six weeks, you know, or what needs to be improved here and there. So I definitely made some improvement, but that's a fantastic amp. So both of those amps do um, a lot of different things. There's a little more flexibility with the Wonderland Overdrive because of the second channel. Uh, but the guy, you know, some guys that come in, you know, they only want the clean sound. A lot of guys just want clean. They want to hit it with a pedal if they want some breakup, um, but people don't play with a lot of gain. So I do sell the Dirty Wonderland pretty frequently as well. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very, you know, warm kind of uh, forgiving amp that sounds a lot like a vintage Fender, but you get the quality of a boutique amp and that additional power filtering that, you know, kind of holds it together a little bit better than the vintage stuff. 
It's funny now. I didn't even connect until you were talking that it's called the Wonderland and you're talking about the John Mayer tone. I'm like, oh yeah, he has a song. Like your body is a Wonderland. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, when I was, when I was first getting into ant building and I started finding out about like all the Dumble stuff, I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but a lot of those doubles were, were gooped. So the circuits were covered in epoxy and hardened or, you know, silicone. So no one actually knew what, what, what the circuit was. And, um, that's, that's what became like, there was, became so much drama around it because everybody wanted to know what was in the amp. You couldn't figure it out. I mean, the fender stuff, like there were schematics everywhere. It was a mass produced product. It had to have people that could fix it. You know what I mean? So a lot of that information was, was very public. Um, uh, but the Dumble stuff, you know, well, a couple, couple of different reasons, I guess. So obviously he was trying to keep the design secret. So he would goop the amps or he would silicone them. Um, you know, in some cases, I think he would even use components that, um, you know, may have drifted. So he would measure out a resistor that if you look at, you know, the resistors are all color coded. So it may have been a hundred K resistor, but it was 10 or 15 years old. And the value is actually 120 K or, you know, um, so it could have been a little bit different, but all the amps were also, you know, somewhat, somewhat, uh, custom, you know, so Dumble number 119 was probably not exactly the same as Dumble number 120. So um, nobody really knew, you know, what was in the amps. And there was so much drama around it that it just kind of like drew me in. And I know there was some guys, you know, back in, it was before I started, you know, it wasn't even close to, uh, you know, building amps at the time, probably 2002, 2003. That's when guys like um, Bill Cronard of Two Rock and Andy Fuchs, and a couple of the other guys got into some of those amps and de-gooped them and really figured out what it was. And they also kept those designs secret. So there was even, you know, more kind of drama around, you know, like you were saying before, like, did they get it right? Do they know what's actually inside it? And then, you know, they were gooping their amps or, you know, putting Sharpies all over the components. So you couldn't tell what the value was. And all that drama kind of led to that being like where all the money was going. You know, so when I started building, which was 2011, 2012, maybe a little bit before then, but when I started building professionally, um, you know, I was like, hey, that's where I want to go. Like, you know, the train wreck stuff was cool and, and kind of the same um, where it was the super high end boutique stuff, but there wasn't any of the secretism. There wasn't any of the drama. There wasn't guys, you know, trying to to go in, you know, and 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 grab an amp from Santana and then degoop it before he's going to get back to the show the next day. You know what I mean? Like crazy stuff like that. Um, but it, but it really drew me in and, uh, and, you know, obviously the amps are great too, but you know, that whole thing was, was just kind of sexy. What I found is, is that just like a guitar, an amp needs to speak to you, you plug into it and it has to like, it, it inspires you. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, we even started this thing on the podcast years ago. Cause I would get, I was getting sick of, uh, and I still am sick of, uh, I, I don't like any kind of videos of, of any kind that, um, are like the audience can't tell. Yeah. Um, the analogy I've used forever is, uh, well, a chef can have a thousand dollar knife and you can't tell when you eat his food that he used a thousand dollar knife. So the knife wasn't for you. It was for him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. The artist decides what matters to them. Their, their yeah. job is to make the audience have a great experience, whether that's through a hot rod deluxe 
or <laughs> an Amplify Nation amp. That that's the whole point. And when I when I talk to musicians and they're like, I can just use a Hot Rod Deluxe and a Tube Screamer, I'm like, that's great. Mm-hmm. And if that works for you, I'm glad and mostly glad because obviously that's a more affordable rig. Talk about it easier on your pocketbook and on the stress of not worrying about it getting stolen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, the the super high end gear too. Like you know, uh, Johan Gustafsson. Yes. He's a, he's a Swedish builder. Yeah. So I heard about his guitars for years and everyone always said that they inspired creativity. Right. You know, and I was like, come on, you know, <laughs> like I don't believe it. And I got one and I still have it. And uh, it was, I traded a couple, I traded like two R9s for it and like an amp, like it was insane. <laughs> but I remember I got it and I sat down with it and there was a couple nights or a couple moments that I specifically remember when I was like, oh, like I get it now. Yeah, you know, this this is definitely like because it does inspire you a little bit and it's not the price of the instrument. I mean, that might have something to do with it where you're really like expecting that to happen, but right. it's the feeling, you know what I mean? It's like how it plays and stuff. And you're like, man, like this is doing things that I, I want it to without that much effort, you know, and yeah. it's the same thing with the amp. And I have I've had a couple of real dumbbells in my shop for for uh, some of them for a few months. Uh, number 38, which was amazing. It was a 70s overdrive special. And I remember it's kind of the same thing where you, you're sitting down with it and you're like, man, this amp is doing exactly what I want it to. Like, it sounds like a, like you know my, some of my favorite artists. It's actually doing it. And it's doing it for me. You know, and it almost feels like, especially with the amp, like the guitar is obvious because you're like, well, I'm playing the guitar. It's in my hands. I can feel it. It's tangible. The amp isn't that tangible right it's it's the sound and it's just some knobs like but what i want to do is like i want someone when they sit down with the amp to actually feel like they're playing a a second instrument you know what i mean like where where you're actually playing the amp and the guitar is like a remote control you know yes and uh and and that does kind of inspire that creativity like i said like when you're like playing you're like man like this amp is doing like what I want it to. And the guitar is doing what I want it to. And it sounds awesome. And I'm not having to work that hard. I a hundred percent agree. I think it takes every musician, unfortunately, a long time to realize that what they're really searching for is a great clean tone. Um, that's where you got to start. That's where you got to start. Yeah. The, uh, uh, and one well, thing with the, with the Dumble amps too, it's like they're, they're cascading preamps like the Marshalls. So the clean channel is always being played. So when you switch over to the overdrive, your clean right. channel is still on. You're still playing through the clean channel. The clean channel just feeds into the overdrive tube and then into the power amp. So you got to start with the great clean. And the crazy thing is like, what's great for clean isn't always great for your overdrive. So then you got to balance it out, you know, so you want to retain the great quality. So you have a you know beautiful clean sound, but you know, how can you dial your clean in? So when you do stack it with your overdrive, that's also a very musical, you know, great experience. Let's go to the next three. So it's the Amplifonics, yeah, right? Amplifonics okay. and Gain. And then the Bombshell Overdrive and the Steel Strings uh, Sultan. And the reason I picked those three, again, because we're hitting, this is $3,500, right? Yeah. So yeah. this is what I'd say is the next mid, you know, next level up. I know they're all different and I, it's really kind of horrible to have them classified like this. Yeah. But I really want to talk to the fact that I really want to talk to the viewer who's like, I'm thinking about getting into this, you know, Mm -hmm. this is the next step, the evolution of like, okay, I've had all these other amps. Now I really want to get this real high-end amp. 
what am I looking at? And so on those three amps at $3,500, let's go through them uh, in that order. The Amplifonics and game. Let's, let's switch up the order. Let's okay. do the, the bombshell first. So okay, the, perfect. The bombshell overdrive is basically our version of the Dumble Overdrive Special. So okay. it's a very simple three preamp tube amp. It has a clean and an overdrive. It's foot switchable and it has a preamp boost that is also on the foot switch and hits both channels. That amp I modeled after, you know, we talked about the Wonderland series. That's like an early 80s dumble sound, very kind of uncompressed and raw. The bombshell is a later version dumble sound, like a like a late 80s. And that is definitely more of the Robin Ford, Larry Carlton sound. So it's real chewy. It's got a little more compression. Um, you know, it's kind of honky in a way. It really sounds like a saxophone when you when you get into it. Great amp. Um, but definitely like a little simpler than the amps that have reverb, real stout and stuff. Fantastic. The steel string Sultan is another just clean amp. So that's a single channel clean amp that is kind of based off of the steel string singer that uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan made so popular. And now Mayer is also playing one of those. That amp is more like a um, of a of aggressive sort of clean, so like a clean lead sort of sound, where the amp almost exhibits some like overdriven qualities without the overdrive. So you get a little bit more sustain, you get a little you know more touch sensitivity, you know where you can even hear the flesh in your fingertips. You can hear the slightest little touch of of pick attack. Um, so that's a really great amp. Uh, but definitely more aggressive than like the the Dirty Wonderland. So it's a little more biting. It sounds kind of more hi-fi. Um, it's got a, a tube in the overdrive that's called a cathode follower, which really kind of kicks the output of the amp up without giving it distortion. So it doesn't really make it louder and it doesn't give it more gain. It's just like, it's almost like I always think about like a, like a turbo in a car. You know, so right. it just kind of gives it a little bit more power. You may not be going any faster, but you can get there quicker. And then the Amplifonics and Gain is completely different. So that amp is is uh, is really cool. It's got two independent preamps, so it's got a clean and an overdrive. It's not cascading. So if you plug into the clean, you plug it into the clean, or if you plug into the drive, it's two completely different amps that share the power amp. So, you, you know, you're obviously going to share your, your 6L6 or your L34 power tubes. That amp, the gain side is like a modded Marshall. So it's super high gain, real beefy. It does anything from classic rock all the way to hard rock or metal tones. And, uh, you know, just, just a wild, wild experience. The clean side is based off of a Fender Bassman, and it's a different kind of Dumble style amp that he, that he he called the Ultraphonics. So I call it the Amplifonics, just like a little play on words. And uh, it's like the best Fender Bassman clean you've ever heard. So it's got a little bit more gain, breaks up earlier, but still has a good amount of headroom. But it does this really cool kind of like swirly kind of, um, you know, just like it almost sounds like the like a rotary speaker it's not like that but it's like it does this kind of thing where it's like almost breathing like it's alive it's pretty cool um and both sides do that so that amp is awesome channel switching and i put reverb on it as well what's interesting about that is you said you know you said a, 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 a like a trigger word the you know fender basement that's yep to one of my favorite amps you know everybody right you can't even claim that because everybody loves the fender basement um to me 
a Fender Bassman, you know, you always want one, but you want with reverb. Mm -hmm. So, so the fact that it's basically like that, you like you said, you'll get that Fender Bassman clean that, which to me that clean is punchy. Yeah, that's what I love about it. It thumps and loud and loud and yeah. loud. Yeah, you know, um, like some people, uh, we use all these weird terms, right? All of us. We some people want that clean that's like the top and sparkle. It's chimey, right? Um, I'm never looking for that. I'm looking for the clean where I call it the snap, right? Like I hit the pick hits it and I want deliberately everybody to know like that just happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So if I'm doing a pick through, if I'm hitting a chord, if I'm muting and, and like, I want everything to be very more percussive. And that's what I love about the basement, but mm -hmm. I, I kind of need reverb. Reverb is a crutch for me. Like a lot of players, I put a little yeah. reverb because the, the washiness of the reverb adds kind of this element of sustain and kind of, it doesn't put you so much in, in the front of the mix. Playing without reverb is like standing on stage with no clothes to me. It's yeah, like, I, it's like I'm, all of a sudden I'm very aware of everything. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to hide behind. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, so it's amazing that that has, that you had the reverb to it. Think of it like that way. Um, that's a great, great way to talk to someone that's looking for that sound because a lot of players are looking for the basement, the old basement heads. Mm -hmm. Um, and to be honest with you, like but one of the problems I have is a lot of the old ones that you find on reverb and stuff. I mean, they're, you know, they've always been recapped, re, you know, obviously yeah, course, yeah. all kinds of stuff. They've, a lot of them been modded and then put back and you don't know what was done to them. Mm -hmm. um, and let's face it, like a lot of amps that are old, some are great and some weren't so great. Yeah. Um, it's like buying a vintage car. You know what I mean? You can't, you don't want to drive that as your daily driver. Yes. It's gonna break. It's gonna break down, and you don't know where it's been. You don't, you know, you don't have a service history on it, things like that. Um, I do love those amps, you know, especially those old, like the JMP Marshalls and stuff. Oh, oh my god, so good! But uh, yeah, you just can't always depend on it. Yeah. So, like I said, you never know what you're gonna get. So, what's yeah. interesting is the bombshell to me and the steel string uh, Sultan. Those are what's interesting is when I think of the two most dumb, or not dumb, yeah, dumble clone pedals mm -hmm. those are the two amps that are get those so if you're into those two like especially like vertex is that vertex that does them right there's a yeah they yeah definitely so that's what's great about that is if you're into those pedals if you think those pedals sound good this would be like the yeah let's step up and get into the real the real yeah. deals those are my most dumbly amps you know especially the bombshell that really, you know, does the Robin Ford sort of thing. It's one of my favorites and I'm a big reverb guy. Like I really, I don't like to play without reverb. I'll put it, I'll put a pedal in a, in a loop or something. Um, but that ant man, it gets so chewy, like, especially with humbuckers, you know, it just, it's a different type of feeling, you know? And it sounds like when you, when you watch these guys play like Bonamassa or, or, or Robin, you know, um, when they hit those kind of lower registers on the guitar and there's just like a breath to it. Oh yeah, you know, that you don't normally hear. That's what that amp does, and that's and that's what it does. You know, special. That's that's kind of what it is. Um, and same thing with the steel string Sultan. I actually have two versions of that. We just re-released the steel string Singer, which is um, pretty much the same amp as the Sultan, but it's got some foot switchable features and some different ways to boost the the amp, um, with a preamp boost and also a FET input, which is a higher gain input. Um, but you know, that amp is, is also like, that really does like the Stevie Ray Vaughan sort of thing, or, or kind of like an Eric Johnson sort of tone, you throw pedals at it. It does some really great stuff. Um, but when you get that amp boosted, like we've been building the singer, which is kind of a, it's a bigger 
the overdrive reverb that I sent you, that's my large chassis. And I made the new amp, the seal string singer, that same size. So it's kind of like imposing a little bit, you know, it can't sit on top of a one by 12 cabinet unless it's oversized. It's a big amp, right? Um, but it looks cool. And uh, we've been building them here over the past like month or two. I got some pre-production ones that went out to some of the YouTube guys and stuff. And we're going to be building the production ones next week. But that amp man would like the way we've been boosting it. Like I had, I, I like let my guys like take like 30 minutes out of their day. And I was like, you guys got to go play this thing. You know, cause it was like an experience. I got a big warehouse here with a, a pretty, pretty large garage. And we, we jam in the garage cause there's another warehouse above it. And we can make a lot of noise out there. And we had that thing cranked up and it was like, it was like a, a stack of marshals, like, and it was wild. Cause it wasn't like what you'd think of from a single channel, clean amp. Cause that amp has a ton of headroom. It gets real loud. It stays real clean, but when you boost it in just the right way, it's kind of like a natural boost. It's not like an overdrive pedals in front of the amp. It's like single channel. Like some, what are some of those old Marshall's single channels, like the oh, yeah. two, 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 oh, three, yeah, yeah. two, oh, four. Yeah. It's yes. that sort of thing where you've got like this in, just insane amount of preamp breakup and also power tube overdrive where you're like oh my god this is the best guitar tone i've ever heard you know you just can't even put your finger on what's happening um but uh yeah those those have been you know really fun to play the past couple months i can't remember where i was going with this but yeah those 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 two amps are definitely my most dumble focused stuff the way i look at it now is to me the dirty wonderland and the wonderland overdrive 2 to me is like perfect it's like okay I don't use pedals, but I yep. love a good clean amp. So to me, like the Wonderland Overdrive 2 sounds like the better choice for me because I I want a great clean, but I'm probably not likely to plug an overdrive in. I'm not yeah. really a pedal guy. And I, and I like the reverb on board. I like having both both channels. You know, maybe I use a pedal here or there. I can put a delay in the loop. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Swiss Army Knife style amp does a lot of different things. You know, if you only had one amp, you could, Wonderland Overdrive V2 would be a great choice. Now, the one you sent me is the Overdrive Reverb, and that's the one I've been checking out. I would say out of all your amps, just looking at them, this one has probably the biggest learning curve because there was mm -hmm. so much to do. Yeah. Uh, a lot of different ways to ma manipulate the volume. You yes. Because it's got the ratio controls in the back, which yes. act as master volumes for each channel. So each channel has a gain knob, and each channel has a master, which is the ratio control. And right. then the amp also has the level control on the front, which is the global master, which determines how much of your preamp is sent to your power amp. So that actually controls the overall volume of the amps. It allows you to scale. But um, because the amp is cascading, like we we're talking about before, the clean channel is always on. So the louder you have the clean, the more saturated your overdrive becomes. So, you know, you can dial just so many different gain structures and different tones in. Um, and it definitely can be a bit of a learning curve or take a couple of days to kind of really figure out, you know, where to put your, where you put your clean or how loud to set your clean ratio control, you know? Um, and then again, like, you know, depending on where that's set, it flavors your overdrive differently. So then you may need to adjust your overdrive gain or your overdrive volume. So yeah, man, it, it can definitely be a, a bit of a learning curve, but once you master it, like I'm sure you figured it out after a while. You're oh like, yeah. Okay. Like you just, it's easy. This seemed to be a really like over the top tool for somebody who's literally knows exactly what they want and they're going to find it. Like there's like, there's no way somebody couldn't find a tone out of this thing. There's yeah. just no way. So 
so is that what it is is that was just all the years of making that amps uh, the other amps you're like okay i'm gonna make this and yeah i always wanted to make that amp it's uh there's very little known about that circuit you know a lot of the double stuff you can get schematics online you know there's websites like the amp garage where you can go on and, and build your own dumble um but uh nobody really knows what was in the overdrive reverb so i was given the chance to check one out and was able to reverse engineer it and then added my kind of own flavor and you know our uh our kind of you know there's different components that are available now than there was when dumble was building obviously you can't get you know vintage what are they uh q line resistors and tires and you know old sprig orange drops and stuff like that you just can't you can't find some of that stuff anymore it's just it's not available you know there was new old stock that you could buy back in 2014, 2013, those, those supplies have all dried up. So there's some guys that have them, but um, you know, a lot of the stuff we use is just new production stuff. And it's what everybody's using in the industry and other really high-end amp builders, but the overdrive reverb is definitely like, that's kind of the best of everything. You know, it's got the great cleans, the great overdrive, and I love reverb, you know? So that has, huge reverb that um some of my amps have like the dirty wonderland or the steel string singer where you have two knobs where you can set the depth of the reverb and the level of the reverb in the mix um but it just kind of has a brilliance that amps like the wonderland overdrive or the bombshell don't really have um, right. and i think some of it is to do with the um the amount of preamp tubes that are in that amp did you see how many are in the back no, there's I didn't. Si- there's six preamp tubes. Oh wow! So yeah, it's a lot, and and they're not like dedicated to you know tram or anything like that. There's obviously a pretty elaborate reverb circuit, but there's there's mixers and things like that that kind of give that amp a little bit more brilliance and breath that you don't get with some of the other models. So it's definitely you know a flagship product for us, and uh, it's it's a it's just a fantastic sounding amp. You know, that's uh, I sent one to Joe Bonamassa a couple of years ago. And he absolutely loved it. Used it on a couple uh, recording sessions and played it live and stuff. And I've sold a few amps for us, but uh, it's it's been a great product. Yeah, well, like I said, it's it's an impressive amp. You know, you don't you know you never know when you you're trying something. You're like, I I know it's going to be. I assumed I'm like it's got to be good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the balls to charge 4K. You know. Yeah. Well, that's why I said it's it's to me the price is never like the determining factor of it's good. But at some price, you're like, well, obviously we know you know, it's good. It's what is unique about it? What is it? What, why do you need this? What are you missing out on if you don't go with it? Um, and I also had the hindsight of knowing that essentially a lot of amplifiers, uh, more companies now spend more time making amplifiers good enough. At some point amps get to the point where it's like, okay, let's stop trying to figure out how to make an amp even better. Let's try to figure out how to make an amp under one thousand dollars, or how? Or how can I make two thousand of these a year? Yeah, yeah. Or how? You know? Right. Yeah. Yes. How can I make two thousand a year? Sometimes when players are playing good amps because mm-hmm. they're good, those mass-produced amps are good, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, um, you get so used to them that when you plug into something a little bit more top shelf, yeah, you like I said, you don't notice it until you take it back away again. Like I said, I I love I love that. Same with compressors. I, I used to have to. On videos, everybody's talking about compressors, and I finally learned to trick compressors. Play with one for a little while, turn it off. Yeah. Then you'll notice what it did. Everybody used it the opposite way. They turned it on and go, I don't know what it's doing. I'm like, well, play, <laughs> yeah. and then wait till it goes away, and you'll notice something changed. So very interesting. So yeah, thank so you. I would, I would love to make like a, like a lower end, you know, 
10 or 15 watt amp that kind of did some of these things, but you know, maybe that's down the road right now. We're still hand building everything, you know, one at a time, voicing them here in house. I'm testing everything and, you know, making sure everything sounds right and tuning all the amps before they go out. So, you know, we're really trying to keep our attention to detail as, as tight as possible and, you know, make a really quality product that people love. Well, for whatever insight it's worth, I think the future really is going to be very good amplifiers that are made really well and then modeling and profiling. Mm-hmm. And the problem, because here's the question, this is the million dollar question doesn't pertain to you, but I have interviewed so many other amp companies that I have to ask yeah. them, right? There's questions I have to ask you and questions I ask them. One of the questions I ask them is, if your amp is just good, not great, it's just mm-hmm. good. So is the Kemper. Yeah. So is yep. the Axe Effects. Those are good too. When we start arguing 10%, right? This amp is 10% better in real life than the, yeah. than the, than the facsimile, so to speak. It's not, a, it's not enough sometimes to keep <laughs> people. Point? Yeah, what's the point? The real hard question, which is what I think the future comes down to is, do I want 10 really good amps or do I want two magical amps and then a profiler or a modeler modeling all those other amps that I don't really need that often or don't use that often? And to be honest with you, I can get 75 to 80% there with the model mm-hmm. technology. Yeah. And that's why I thought it'd be cool to have you come on and talk about them. And, and I, by the way, I'm, I'm hoping when people watch this, they'll have an epiphany because I had two epiphanies while, while, while you were talking. So <laughs> well, I really it. appreciate the opportunity to come on. Oh, no. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, I got to ask before we leave. Why is the company called Amplified Nation? I I came up with that name. My wife and I came up with that name probably back in 2009 when we first started the business. And I cannot remember the reason why. Um, I was doing Tolex repair and restoration off of Craigslist. We lived really close to Boston. And uh, we came up with our first website. We were like, what should we call it? And I, I just, I was like Amplified Nation and it just stuck. We never changed it. So it's been the name of the name of the company. And uh, it's really tough to put on a logo, you know, like because yeah. <laughs> it's two words, but right. um, yeah, I've always just liked the name. So we, we stuck with it. I was like, just thinking about that going, I didn't even ask. I know. So I could hear, you know, you could hear the, the yeah. comments. Hey, <laughs> why is it called that? So um, thank you, Taylor, for coming on and, uh, and joining us. And, and uh, I want to thank everybody for watching. And as always, thank them for their time. And uh, until the next time, know your gear. Really appreciate it, Phil. Thank you. You're welcome.